So we have got Alex Buffington here on the Fitness Retention Podcast. Alex, welcome. Alex, thank you for having me. And I love your name, of course. Of course. Who doesn't? <laughs> um, so Alex is the VP of Sales at Reunify. And um, that's quite a impressive job, especially in the retention world. So can you tell the people listening a little bit about you and about your work and kind of how you came to be in the position that you are at Reunify? Yes. So uh, in 2008, I was lucky enough to get a job with Motionsoft, who's one of the club management's uh, software providers within the industry that's pretty well known. Mm -hmm. And I was with Motionsoft for just about a decade. Uh, and during that time, I started with them on the account management side of the fence, really helping existing customers with any hardware issues like, hey, we need a new scanner, we need to reorder key tags, etc. Um, and as I was continuing to develop my professional career as an account manager, Motionsoft uh, really decided to transition me over to the sales side primarily because of the rapport I was able to build with customers. Um, so I managed the, uh, I was a inside sales manager for them for a while, mm -hmm. and they promoted me eventually to director of sales, and I worked directly under the VP of sales uh, at Motionsoft in developing our strategies, uh, things we were uh, working on from a development standpoint to go to market with customers, and of course, managing other inside sales reps within the organization as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had left Motionsoft because I was recruited by a cybersecurity firm that wanted me. And unfortunately, it's one of those things where you think it's a great opportunity, I'm moving up again. Uh, however, the challenge was it's really saturated and, and unless you're known within the industry, it's a challenge to get people to listen to you. Yeah. Um, during that time, I then got recruited by Reunify. Okay. And, uh, I had known Reunify from my time with Motionsoft and their founder, Jafar Adibi, and all of the things that he'd been doing over the last several years since they launched the platform. And I thought it was very intriguing. I asked around a lot of folks who I respect within the industry and said, what do you think? And a lot of folks thought it was a great fit. Uh, so lo and behold, I say, let's go ahead and, and take a stab. I'll come back into the health and fitness industry. I, I was missing it at the time. Uh, and here I am now with Reunify trying to help them really get out into the market and help clubs from a retention standpoint with our, with our solutions. So who is Reunify's kind of like target customer target club or do you span all sizes or price points can you tell me a little bit about about that well initially we were really focusing on the enterprise level of the market and we were very lucky to work with one of the largest brands in the industry in a what i would call a beta state Mm -hmm. And they really acted as a development partner with us, with the product. Uh, we are continuing to support that customer today. And um, they have roughly 150 locations. I wish I could share it. I really, they don't appreciate it when I do. But um, they are one of the big guys in the, in the top 100. And um, they've been invaluable in terms of us being able to make the product more feature rich 
and, and honing in on our retention scoring or what I should say is risk scoring at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's where we started and we did stay focused on the upper level, the enterprise level of the market. But right now we've actually uh, opened the doors up where we want to service anyone, both downstream market with the SMBs as well as mid-tier to enterprise. So we will support anyone because the, the nice thing about retention is it matters to everybody yeah. within the industry. So you said something interesting. You said that um, this particular large client that you work with doesn't necessarily want um, the partnership to be known and um, mm-hmm. however you phrased it. I find that a lot of people are scared to talk about retention. Um, have you encountered that at all? I think that, no, I I think everyone's always eager to talk about retention. The one subject over the years that just comes up routinely at every URSA I've been to, or whether it's in casual conversation with club operators, is the sleeping dog member. Mm -hmm. Everyone's trying to figure out what do we do about these people? Because on one hand, they're in perpetual billing. Yeah. Right? So you don't want to necessarily lose that top line revenue number by (laughs) interacting suddenly with someone who hasn't been talking to you for ages. Yeah. But at the other end, the thought is, are we really helping this person by just letting them sit there and collecting monthly dues revenue as opposed to maybe, Hey, let's reach out. Let's talk to them. Even if they attrit, you've at least left them with a good taste in their mouth and they know that, Hey, they don't just let me sit there. They're trying to really talk to me and engage with me. So I I think retention as an issue to go back to your question is pervasive. It never has left the industry since I've been in it. And uh, clubs don't like to talk about how, how impacted they are by attrition. That's the thing I think they don't like to talk about, but they love to talk about concepts and how to improve that. Yeah. Um, It's kind of almost hard to put your finger on it, but it almost seems like a moral, it's not a moral problem. It doesn't seem like it to me, but it seems like a little bit of a gray area. Like when you look in whatever um, software you're using, it says that person hasn't been active for like a hundred weeks. Yes. You kind of want to, you want to give them a call, but I mean, this is just from like VPs and managers that I've spoken with. You also don't. Uh, Right. Exactly. It's it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you want to do the, most people want to do the right thing inherently, but the right thing for your business would probably be to not call them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just kind of, there's this like moral ambiguity almost in it where you're trying to serve yourself like serve your business versus serve that customer that's that's true but i i am seeing a shift in that thinking in terms of what can we do the more and more that healthcare and medical practitioners are becoming an intertwined into the health and fitness industry mm-hmm. the more we're seeing that shift in thought happening in terms of if i'm a full service club and i've got a member who's been dormant for a month or two i gotta get in front of them um, there's this concept that, that Paul Bedford talks about with a lot of people, and I'm sure he'll, he'll mention it to you when you speak to him, is his notion of the waterfall, right? So if I could draw it for you, you've got one member who's way back in the river. Mm-hmm. You've got one who's 
trending towards the edge of the waterfall and you've got one who's going over mm -hmm. the one that's going over you're already too late yeah that that ship has sailed however the one that's near the edge or the one that's uh further back there's a real opportunity for clubs to thread them a lifeline and get them back into the clubs and engaged mm -hmm. so i think there's there is some thought process going on now uh, in terms of how to continuously stay in front of the members mm -hmm. as opposed to, gee, we have to legally reach out to them because we're making contract changes or something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like in granted, I haven't been in the industry that long. I've, I've been in for like seven years, but um, a lot of what's happening now seems to be proactive versus maybe reactive a few years ago. Um, and I think that that's in a lot of different clubs, like whether it's a CrossFit gym or a giant club like 24 hour fitness. Um, I think that there's a higher level of proactivity. Um, but I would be interested to see if you have any like thought or information on that or any data on that, because you're so ingrained in data with all of these clubs. Uh, we don't necessarily have data that's supporting a trend in that direction. What we are seeing is through word of mouth, we're hearing a lot of operators talking about it. And we're also seeing through implementation of a, a feedback solution where you're trying to get out to the members, that's having a big impact. Um, one club, for instance, that I spoke to, a very simple thing. They moved cancellations from the front of the house in club to back office corporate. Okay. Simply by doing that, they freed up their staff with a lot of time to be able to engage with the members in a positive manner, as opposed to, gee, you're in here to cancel. Okay, let's go through that. Mm -hmm. So now club staff by, at, at this particular operation have the flexibility to spend their downtime or any time when they're on the floor speaking to the members. Mm -hmm. keeping it positive mm -hmm. i'm i'm not amazed but i i speak with a lot of gyms and i one of the questions i ask is like how how often are you meeting with your members how often are you getting feedback from them not on necessarily just like a survey but actually talking to your members and not a lot of clubs do that um and i'm it just kind of surprises me sometimes when like if if you go to a restaurant and the manager comes out and says, you know, we're really excited to have you here. Um, here's a free glass of wine. If you guys would be open to it after your meal, I would love to get your thoughts on the meal. I'm going to go back to that restaurant, whether or not the food is good. Right. And I don't see that happening in fitness too often. Uh, it, it has been a challenge. And when you think about it, the main people who interact with members on a day-to-day -day basis are gonna be your front desk. Yep. They're checking people in, have a nice workout. They're, they're trying to speak to people to the extent that they can. Mm -hmm. A stat that I recently read that screamed out at me was that 85% of members who've been polled want to be spoken with. <laughs> they want that, even, even a high. Yeah is impactful to them because it means hey they recognize me i walked in and if you say hi in the first name of that member you've done an even better job so it's small 
things that you can do to help move the needle in customer satisfaction. And again, I agree with you. I think sometimes technology is great and sometimes we forget that very basic grassroots efforts with members can go a hell of a long way. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like what the CrossFit box community is based on is like staying in touch with people and giving them a level of community that you don't get at maybe a bigger box gym. Yeah. Um, and their attention rates are very high usually. Um, right. And Soul Cycle, right? That's another one that really came out of the gate just yeah. as a spin studio, right? It was, and that's all they were doing was spin. But they managed to create this culture with their members, taking photographs and posting them on the back of the front desk. And all of these different little things that they're doing are creating a tremendous amount of attachment with yeah. those members. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the customer experience. It improves the emotion that the member feels about the brand. That's right. Um, so speaking of SoulCycle and CrossFit and all these different business models, if you were starting a gym, let's say tomorrow, and you had to pick like a business model and a software stack and staff, I know that's like a loaded question, but how would you, what would you choose? Like what kind of business would you choose? Who would you staff and what software would you use to basically proactively manage growth? Well, there are a lot better people who are club operators that can tell you this over their experience, but um, I, I do try and stay very diplomatic when it comes to the club systems. I think what you want to do is make sure Sure, that the key to your club management solution is find yourself a partner who, just like we're talking about engaging with members, a software company who acts as a partner and really works closely with you and your staff to make sure you're maximizing the software with all of the different features that are available, mm -hmm. as well as listening to you when it comes to what's working, what's not, where should we keep our, where, where should we be looking? in the future because as technology is advancing in the health club industry it's changing the paradigm for a lot of folks including vendors mm -hmm. as far as what type of club would i like to open ideally well i love full service clubs mm -hmm. i really do i think they're providing a tremendous amount of service that's available to the member and that's the value that you get i think um there are the high value, low price model has its own merits. However, at $10, $20 a month, how much does that member at the end of the day actually mean to you yeah. as a business? And I see that the, the HVLP model, um, while they, they care about their members, they also may gravitate towards the old revolving door model, right? Mm -hmm. A member goes out, another comes in, we'll sign them up. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, I love full service clubs that are rich with amenities and um, really take care of their members in a myriad of ways. Uh, so to me, that would be a, a great model. And as far as the staff, you know, 
staff in my mind, you can have great salespeople who are terrible at maintaining relationships with members over time, or you can have front desk staff who are personable, but don't really talk up any of the different services or amenities that are available to members. Sometimes they just don't know. Yeah. All the way to your group X instructors. I think my focus, if I were to open a club would be on, let's have trainers walk the floor when they're down. Let's have them talk to members. Hey, you know, you're doing a lap pull. Maybe, maybe the row is going to be the better solution for you based on your body. But just free advice, right? Mm -hmm. That gets you, again, a lot of stickiness with the member. Mm -hmm. So I would really put a great deal of emphasis if I were hiring staff at a club, not just with your knowledge of how to, you know, to craft workouts and help people from a health standpoint, that's critical, mm-hmm. but also following up and maintaining relationships. I would like to have relationship builders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've worked in a few, a few different gyms and fitness businesses and the people that seem to do the best are often the people that are just willing to go a little bit out of the way to make someone's day better. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, it like, it doesn't take much. It might be one extra question or, you know, telling someone their hair looks great or they like that shirt. Those things, you can't measure those, but those have an incredible effect on people's emotional attachment to your brand. Correct. Um, but maybe there's a piece of Octane equipment, which I tend to like a lot of the Octane stuff because you can mix it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I'm not using Octane correctly right? The, the elliptical that I use with Octane, maybe there's something I could be doing better to help me during my workouts. And I'm just unaware of it. Mm -hmm. But gee, if you make me aware of it, that is really big for me because then I'm going to come in and I'm going to start to garner greater results from my workout all because someone took the time to come and say, Hey, Alex, you know, maybe you want to try the arm blasters. You're doing your elliptical and mix it up that way. Or, you know, more hit type training on your elliptical as opposed to your steady pace that you like to go on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's interesting you say trainers that are walking the floor because I, I, I have been a trainer and I was a trainer for a long time. And there's a difference between helping and selling and helping actually leads to a lot more sales for personal trainers in my experience than trying to sell someone. Um, and I was wondering if you had experience with that. I think I read an article where you said you joined a real, like a really nice gym, but then they didn't do anything to set you up once you had actually signed the contract. Was that your right? Yeah. That was a blog that I read a while ago on how orientation is the first step in retention. I did my research (laughs) and you did, you did kudos. And, and so, yes, I firmly believe that if I'd known more about the yoga or Pilates offerings that were there, maybe I would have used those services to date. I haven't used them. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm the type of member who walks into the club. I put my kids at kids club and then I head down and do my workout and that's it. That's it. And I leave the club. Those are the touch points that I have with them. Mm -hmm. They send me numerous emails. They're great about all that, but you know what happens at the end of the day? I click right by them. Yeah. I see it for a second. I see what's the context of the email and then I move on and it's out of mind, but you, you hit it really on the head is, 
if someone came and helped me in a tangible and meaningful way, that would stick with me far longer than an email saying, come to the 5K fun run on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Or here's a special on personal training. Right. Right. Exactly. I would be more gravitated towards using PT if I saw that the trainers without, like you said, without selling, it's called unselling actually in the world is if they had just come up and helped me, I would probably be more likely to inquire about PT with that person who came and helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is completely random, but I'm just noticing that both of us have great, um, great fitness names. You have buff and I have strong in my name. <laughs> Combined, we should be able to really help the health and fitness industry. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, um, so let me, let me just get into a little bit of some of the rapid fire questions and then we'll get back to some more meat. Um, what's something that every gym could do tomorrow to save time? Right now, clubs have a real challenge in front of them in terms of data. Mm -hmm. um, they are getting vast quantities of data from disparate sources, right? And the challenge is consolidating all of that data into an actionable format for them. So it's great. You see on Tuesdays at noon, we're seeing a dip in check-in. Mm -hmm. What can we do about it? Is there pro is some programming we can offer? Is there uh, social that we can run to try and get afternoon members into the club? Uh, all of these different things. I think clubs have a real challenge in terms of being able to manage all of the different data. Um, I am hearing that there's a, a, a new advisory board that came out. I read this in Club Business and um, they are now looking to unify data standards across the industry. And I think that's immensely valuable because mm -hmm. every other industry that's out there is defined. And what I, they're trying to get ahead of is having insurance companies or hospitals or medical practitioners dictate what those data standards are to the health and fitness industry. Mm -hmm. We know it better. We've been doing it longer. We should set those standards. Mm -hmm. And so I think once a lot of these things get codified and cemented for club operators, it's going to make a lot of this easier for everybody, for vendors, for operators, for members, for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, that's the single greatest challenge, and it's finding uh, solutions that can help consolidate all of that disparate data sources that you have within your club right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on a similar on a kind of like similar line here, what's something that every gym can do to make more money? Well, it, uh, I'll, I'll go back to retention. It's it, it, you've got members in your club today. Mm -hmm. They're there to whatever degree of risk you may give them high, medium or low. They're there. And the cheapest way for you to, to increase your revenue, your EBITDA, all of it is keeping them. Yeah. There's a cost to onboarding new members. There's a cost to sales. If you can reduce your customer acquisition overall, that's going to be huge for clubs. Even if you can move that needle by two to three percent, that's a very big number. Yeah, that's that. huge, especially for huge clubs. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially those that are at higher price points too, where the member uh, and a trading member is way more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's a, what's a recent book that you've read that had a big impact on you? My wife got me a great book for my birthday a while ago that I chewed up and it's called Execution, How to Get Things Done. Hmm. And what it did is it gave a lot of great questions in a easy to read format. It wasn't like a textbook that you were, you were going through on how management can really help bring an attitude, a get it done attitude, if you will, across the organization. So I, I found a lot of value in that in terms of the tactics and some of the things to think about when it comes to creating a organization that really executes against their plans, against customer needs, uh, against goals. Have you done anything, have you implemented anything you learned in the book in, in your organization? We have implemented a number of things, actually, mostly on the marketing side. <laughs> so we've taken a lot of, hey, let's keep our touch points with everyone in the industry high. Because the more we're out there, the more, I hate to call it thought leadership, but the more you're out there giving people ideas, the more valuable you'll be, not just as a software provider, but also as an ear them on retention. Pension. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you almost want to give away some of what you do and just kind of help people and yeah. understand that it will come back to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the key. One of the things I love about our industry, Alex, is at the end of the day, we're committed to helping people get healthier. Yeah. If we can help clubs achieve that goal in some small way, we are helping the greater industry and impacting people's healthy lifestyles. And that's to me the, the biggest thing. Yeah, it's always seemed like a very, I don't wanna say noble because I'm not like, you know, puffing myself up here, but like it seemed like a worthwhile cause. And it's yes. just one aspect of helping someone be happy. And, you know, if you can empower clubs to give their members a better experience, they're gonna to have to look around less and they're gonna to have to um let's see how, what's the best way to say it. they're gonna have to spend more time in your club ultimately and that's probably going to make them a healthier person like a betting person would bet on that um so it just seemed like a nice a nice kind of way to get the general population healthier correct yeah and we have a problem with that so if we're able to, and it impacts so many different areas. So if we're able to help out in, in, in again, small measures um, with the club operators and achieving those goals, you know, heck, you've had a part in it. And that's important. Yeah. So I have two more questions for you. Um, first question, what are you against in fitness? Um, I think the only thing that I would be a, against in fitness is uh, we were we talked about it briefly the notion of this revolving door of members I think everyone's valuable mm -hmm. um, and we've mentioned a lot about the small things that you can do to make a, a member feel wanted and appreciated I to me it's not a member's going to walk out and we're just going to replace them 
that doesn't it doesn't work that way. I think the the one thing I would say is every member counts. If they're signing up with you, you know, do your best to help them stick around for ages and be a longtime member and laud you. I think there's that's an opportunity as opposed to, uh, hey, you know, we can afford to lose it th this person and we'll we'll get another one in to replace them. I think yeah. that that's the only thing. If I were to say I was against anything. Um, that would be that mentality. Okay. And so last question, we'll sum it up here. What are you for in fitness? I love what technology is doing for us. I am really for it. it back when I started in this industry, clubs didn't even want to have a website. <laughs> and online scheduling, what's that? You know, and lo, lo and behold, fast forward, MindBody's publicly traded at this yeah. point. Um, so I think there is a tremendous amount of value in what technology is doing for our space right now. Um, I've been keeping a real close eye. I think I mentioned it to you on ACO, healthcare, and insurance, and what's what preventative care can do at the end of the day and all of the different problems it could solve for us. Mm -hmm. And when you think about all of these different people who you engage with on your health, your doctor, et cetera, can prescribe workouts, fitness in tandem with your clubs and your trainers to really get the best outcomes possible for you. And the sharing of health data, I think that's going to continue to become more and more prevalent because obviously we all have our wearables. We're walking in with them. Most people do, I should say, that are going to health clubs. They're walking in with some wearable device of some sort. And if it's the Apple iWatch, then you can actually, the user can share that data with the club or with their doctor, and they're still within their HIPAA guidelines. Mm -hmm. They don't violate that. So um, I, I think that there's even more that's going to happen with tech. One of the other things I'm really interested in is beacons. Beacons. Uh, beacon technology oh, the vegans i was like they're not that interesting <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're kind of no they're not bland let's not say that <laughs> but now at the end of the day i think beacons are going to be tremendous for our industry because you'll find out which of your pieces of your equipment are getting used the most where are your members congregating and when i think about my solution it's where are your high risk members in your club right now mm -hmm. if i can heat map that for you and let you know that then you don't have to, we take a lot of the guesswork out of, gee, where could this member be if we want to do in-club engagements? Now I'll know where they are. If they're on the elliptical, I know, okay, let's not bother them while they're in the middle of their workout. But if they go off and they're at the water fountain, heck, maybe that's a great opportunity for me to step out of the office and get in front of that high-risk member. Yeah. So the, uh, to me, that's really where I've been looking at. And I think AI and chatbots and everything that's happening right now from an evolution of this technology is going to just continue to uh, become more pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes about the gym is nothing good happens in the office. <laughs> I don't necessarily hundred percent agree with it, but kind of <laughs> what you're speaking to, like if you can understand why someone acts a certain way and then talk with them about that or get a better understanding of why they're acting a certain way, um that's extremely powerful and i think a lot of that happens face to face not behind a chair i i agree with you although i am in the office and i'm speaking to you and that's a good thing that's happening so it is there you go <laughs>
<laughs> that is true. Um, all right, Alex. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on. I'm really stoked that we had you. Um, any parting words you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, I all I would say is keep keep fighting to get members the best customer service you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will have an impact, even if you've got front desk people who also have a smoothie bar behind them or any of the different configurations you may have, if you can just from a top-down approach emphasize the importance of this to your staff, it will trickle through and you will just realize that you've got adherents, advocates who are members of your clubs, not just members. Yeah. Yeah. I think getting people to that point of where they're an advocate is, I mean, you know, extremely important. So I'm glad we, I'm glad we ended on that note, Alex. And, um, Thanks for coming on. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Alex, for having me. I really appreciate it and uh, have a great, I'll be looking forward to your future podcasts and you have an excellent rest of your day. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Bye.